Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. Would you hear the word of God as it's read? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Indeed, this is God's word for us. You may be seated. And let me pray for us. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would we behold wondrous things out of your law. Would you shape our hearts to be like the psalmist who would delight in your word and fix our eyes upon it, meditating on it day and night, uh, even this year. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible, uh, the Word of God, is, is more like the light of the sun than it is like a school textbook. Now, there are some similarities. Often we go to God's Word and it takes a bit of work. It takes a bit of understanding the context and, and mining it and, and finding those uh, truths that God has for us in the right context. So th- there are similarities uh, both can in- involve some hard work, but th- think about sunlight um, giving light and life to all that it shines upon. Uh, have you ever seen um, you know, a flower wind its way around uh, buildings or rocks or uh, different structures to find its way? It will fight its way so that it gets itself in the way of sunlight uh, because it-, it knows, as it were, that that's where life comes from. Uh, But the flower doesn't have to coax the sun. Uh, The flower uh, doesn't have to be smart enough. It it just has to get in the way of it, to get in the way of what it's already doing. A Christian, what if in 2024 you simply strove to get in the way of the Word, to get in the way of the Word that is already powerfully working? God is speaking to His people. God has given us His Word. His Spirit attends to it for His people. Like the sunlight itself, it is shining. It is offering life. What if you just found yourself in its crosshairs? What would that do to your heart this year, to your family, to our church, if we found ourselves in the way of the Word? And so the point this morning of of this one sermon in Psalm 119 is um, let the Word do its work. Let the Word do its work. It will work. If you're a Christian, if you belong to Christ, put your way, uh, put yourself in the way of the Word and see what happens. We're going to look at what the psalmist here in the second stanza of Psalm 119 uh, says. We'll look at three points that help sort of define what do we mean, what does it mean to let the Word do its work, um, and, and what are these actions that we can take. And number one, if you're following along, if uh, the bulletin has an outline, if that's helpful to you, number one is to store up the Word. Uh, to store up the Word. And let me read again verses 9 through 11. Uh, in, in many ways, the heart of this text. 
He says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you sort of see the heart of the psalmist. He, he, he loves God's word. He wants to stay on this path. How, Lord? How do I stay on this path when there's temptation on every side, when uh, the world around me seems to be full of darkness? What does it look like for me to stay on this path of your word? Well, to understand what the psalmist is getting at, uh, we need to understand what, what is Psalm 119, um, this longest chapter in the whole Bible, uh, this killer of reading plans, right? You, you get to, you're making great progress, and you get to 118, and then you get to 119, and they just have one checkbox for it. You're thinking, I don't have time to read this whole thing right now. But what is this long psalm all about God's Word? Well, some have called Psalm 119 and also Psalm 19 and Psalm 1, so it's sort of easy to remember, 119, 119. These are psalms that are really about God's Word itself. And so some have called them Torah psalms, Torah meaning the law, the the Word of God. And you see echoes throughout each of them all the way back to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So, uh, the, the sort of front door to the Psalter says, hey, there, there is a way that is blessed and there is a way that is cursed. And the blessed man is he who loves the Lord's word, who meditates on God's word day and night. He's storing it up. And Psalm 19 speaks of that. Now Psalm 119, in a sense, is showing us that. Psalm 1 tells us that. Psalm 119 is showing us what does it look like to meditate on God's word. It's leading by example, Psalm 119 is. Uh, Certainly, maybe you remember in English class, uh, that cardinal rule, show, don't tell. Does anyone remember? Uh, It's a good idea in writing, right? Like the difference between uh, he was very, very, very angry is one way you could say. You could tell it. Or you could say uh, he threw the clipboard across the room. Which one hits you, right? Uh, When you show something, it's pretty powerful, Now, Psalm 119 also tells you a lot. It's 176 verses. That's a lot of content. But the very structure of it, I think, is showing us something. It's inviting us to see something. Um, You're probably aware, but Psalm 119 is what's called an acrostic. Maybe you did those in English class too, (laughs) where, you know, one letter, uh, each letter of the English alphabet, you might write a line uh, starting with A, B, C, etc., well, in Psalm 119, each stanza, each eight lines, is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So you can probably see, your Bible might have a footnote up, um, sort of the title of the psalm. Maybe it says Aleph on 1 through 8, and then uh, Beit on verses 9 through 16. Uh, so you can't see it in the English, but uh, each line then begins with that letter. And so it's this masterfully crafted 22 stanzas, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then within each one, there's eight lines, each line starting with that Hebrew letter, and then even the word choice. You you probably uh, heard these different words that it's using for Scripture. Uh, Verse 9 says the word. Verse 10 says commandments. 12 says statutes, uh, rules in verse 13, testimonies, precepts. Well, there's a few other words. There's, there's eight words that the psalmist uses for the word, the Bible, the law, 
Um, and every stanza contains at least six of those, and, and so they're spread out. So that uh, one commentator, uh, Derek Kidner, puts it this way, Someone, Psalm 119 is an alphabet of prayers and reflections on the Word of God, giving each Hebrew letter its turn to introduce eight successive verses on the subject. So that Psalm 119, then, is an invitation to see the beauty and the power of God's Word and to invite you to find yourself in its crosshairs, in its path, in its shining rays. In other words, the psalmist is saying God's Word is worth certainly more but no less than 176 verses of reflection. It is that beautiful and powerful. So what if for you this year Psalm 119 was not a stumbling block in your reading plan, but it was more like a a model and a guide. Uh, Even practically, what if you spread out the stanzas and at the beginning of your devotion time, you read one stanza and prayed and then then read whatever was else, else on your list? Psalm 119 is an invitation for us. And here it invites us specifically then to store up the word. And he speaks of it in a few different ways. Verse 9, he says, <coughs> to uh, guard our way according to the word. And it, you get the sense that the psalmist is probably on the younger side. Uh, perhaps not, but it makes sense that he might be asking, how can a young man keep his way pure? And it, it hits you as a genuine question. Not, hey, I know a young man, like, what advice can I give him? Uh, because you hear his prayer, right? In verse 8, before this, he says, I, I, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Uh, or uh, verse 11, I have stored up your word that I might not sin against you. Or verse 10, let me not wander from your commandments. And so the psalmist, I, I believe, is a young man who's, who's struggling, saying, Lord, I, I love you. I, I love your word. I'm writing these 176 verses to meditate on it. And yet I know my own weakness. I know that the world, the flesh, and the devil would rather me veer off the path, even ever so slightly. How can I keep my way pure? And he says, by guarding it according to the word. By guarding it according to your word. Um, Right? The Christian life sometimes can feel like, like you've been given an Ikea manual, and you're allowed to read it once, all the way through, and then you have to put it away. Um, Now, some of you are like, that's just how I do it. I just figure it out. Um, But you read it once, you put it away, and then you're supposed to assemble. uh, Sometimes we think of the Christian life that way, but this is a more fully orbed. What what does it mean that the word would shape how you think? And and, uh, like the like the bumpers at uh, the bowling alley, right, that, that come up and protect the ball from veering off to this side or this side. Uh, what if the word was like that? It's, it's rules, it's promises, it's truths, it's prophecies, it's warnings, all of it uh, meant to shape us and make us to be young men, older men and women of God following him. Now, He says to guard it according to the word. Um, You might be familiar with the term uh, puppy guarding. Uh, Puppy guarding is unfair and and infuriating on the playground, like capture the flag, right, if you're familiar with uh, this game. Uh, If you're puppy guarding, that means that uh, perhaps those that are stuck in the jail and and they need to be tagged to get out, puppy guarding would be, uh, you know, being right up next to it so that no one could ever get in. 
uh, or the flag itself, you know, uh, being right up next to it. And you're like, it's unfair. I can't even get to it. Unfair and infuriating in capture the flag, essential in the Christian life. We don't fight fair with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, we're, we're not meant to be at this sort of even contest. Um, we are meant to have God's word so stored up in our hearts, so shaping our minds and our thinking, so ready at our fingertips and at our heart and our lips uh, that it's like puppy guarding, it, uh, against temptation, against wandering. Think of Jesus in his own temptations in the wilderness. Um, now, Jesus was fully human, and yet he was tempted as we are in one sense, uh, facing all the external temptations that we might face. Unlike us, he was never tempted internally. Uh, there was never a part of him that thought, ooh, that would be nice, or let me think about doing that. No, uh, he was uh, perfect in his obedience, and yet the devil did tempt, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> Tempt him in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And do you remember what Jesus answers on each temptation? It is written. And then he quotes Old Testament, like Deuteronomy, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or Satan tempts him again that he would give him all authority, all these kingdoms. And he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You see, Jesus isn't playing fair. He, his, uh, the word was so stored up in his heart and his delight that when temptations come, he just runs back to the word. Whereas Adam and Eve in the garden sort of listened to the serpent. Did God really say? And they sort of look up and say, did he really say? Whereas Jesus models for us, no, you, you don't ponder, you don't uh, negotiate you go right back to the word, it is written, and then you give a promise, right? Or it is written, and you remind yourself of a warning against that sin. All of God's word then becomes available to us for this purpose. Young people, I was thinking of you when um, the psalmist here seems to be a young man asking, how can I keep my way pure? And if you go through the rest of the psalm, you just see this intense desire that I pray that you would have as well. It's a desire to please the Lord. What's the psalmist wrestling with? I love my Lord. I put my faith in Him. I want my life to please Him. And that's what we pray that you would have as well. Uh, you're going to face many questions in the years to come. Where are you going to school? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? You'll get sick of that question from us. I'm sorry. But of all the questions that you are, are going to be called upon to answer, this is the question. Uh, is my life pleasing to the Lord? And not, do I live a life pleasing enough that he would love me? No. Is he my Savior? And then that flows out into a life that is pleasing uh, to him. I pray that you would have that desire in you. And so he says, guard your way. Uh, it, within the same section, he says to store up or hide the word in your heart, to store up or hide the word in your heart. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, within our church, there's probably a spectrum when it comes to uh, prepping for emergencies or prepping for w whatever's to come. Uh, I, I would wager that some here maybe on the spectrum from maybe never 
store away any food to maybe like one or two cans of, of food every shopping trip to a home-built bomb shelter that has food for 10 generations. Um, you're probably somewhere on that spectrum. Uh, but what is he talking about here? Not that that's not wise, but he's, he's saying store up abundantly. Have tucked away in your heart, your mind, your will, all of it, God's word, in the deep recesses of your heart. And remember, for the Hebrews, the heart uh, it wasn't, it, it included the emotions, but it was yourself, your, your being, your mind. Uh, and so for uh, the psalmist to have the word stored up in his heart, especially in a day when very, very, very few would have access to a physical copy of God's word, it was, it was really to have it uh, right at the tip of your mind, tip of your tongue. Um, I, I've said before, but it's, it, it always warms my heart when someone quotes scripture in the King James version, not because I think that's the only good version, uh, but it means that they memorized that scripture a while ago, and it's stored up in their heart. And so, you know, I'll, I'll read it in the ESV, and they're like, mm <laughs> that's not what it says. <laughs> um, it's good to have different translations, but it, 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 it's a good sign that that word has been stored up in the heart, or some have the older NIV version memorized, um, etc. cetera. Uh, John Calvin says this, here we are informed that we are well fortified against the stratagems of Satan when God's law is deeply seated in our hearts. Our true safeguard then lies not in a slender knowledge of his law or in a careless perusal of it, but in hiding it deeply in our hearts. Right? Christian, remember that this is not so much about complex study systems and being smart enough or bookish enough. We'll be on a spectrum there. But it's, it's to let the word do its work. God speaks to his people. God attends to his word with his spirit. His word does not go out in vain. It accomplishes everything that he would have it to do. And so are you, do you have a plan this year? I, and so it, I'm not as interested in the specifics, like the plan has to look like this, but do you have a plan that more days than not, more hours than not, the word is in front of you, or to say it another way, that you're in front of it? Uh, like the plant that weaves its way up to see the sunlight? Are you putting yourself in the crosshairs of the word this year? Uh, we'll reflect in a moment on maybe some of the practicalities of that. Uh, but be storing up the word in your heart this year. Number two, and these second points we'll, we'll move through uh, rather quickly compared to the first. Number two, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. We're called here to, to slow down. Uh, he Look at these different uh, uh, verses, especially, um, let's see, uh, verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 119 militates against a checkbox flyby get-it-done mentality when it comes to God's Word. As we've talked about, you might come to it in your reading plan and think, oh man, I have to really budget time for this. Um, and certainly there's a place for flying through a lot of Scripture in one reading plan. Some years it's good to say, I want to I get the forest. And, and it's good to get a big picture of God's Word. So we're not speaking against that, but here he's calling us to, to slow down. Even Psalm 119 itself, it, 
It's an invitation to say, you're probably not going to read this all in one sitting. Just slow down. Take a stanza. Meditate on it. You know, like a, like a, a trusted teacher sitting down in an armchair, you know, uh, licking her fingers and slowly turning to the right page and clearing her throat, saying, oh, there we are. You're invited to slow down, to take in God's word. Look at the language he uses. He prays, teach me. He's coming to the word prayerfully, asking God to reveal himself. Uh, he says, I delight in your word. We'll look at that in point three, but delight here takes time, right? Other things we delight in, it's because we spend time with them and we know them and we, and, and we think about them. He says, I will meditate. I will fix my eyes. Uh, this means to savor, to take time, to give attention to. And this is not like a naive or privileged quietness, like, oh, good for you, psalmist. You know, your job is to spend time in the Word and lead God's people in worship. And, and so, you know, you're just sort of like telling us that the quiet life is a good life, and I read books all day. Because if you look elsewhere in, in, in the psalm, look at the, look at the hints of struggle that he's dealing with, even external. Verse 23 says, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Or verse 78, let not the insolent put me to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Or verse 148, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night. Like why? Why is he kept up at night? That I may meditate on your promise. So this isn't like a naive vision of the quiet life. This is someone in the midst of struggle, in the midst of temptation, saying, I will meditate on your word. Uh, Calvin again says, the world has no time for meditating on God's law. Uh, how about you as God's people? And so, Christian, whatever your reading plan is this year, I pray that, and I do pray you have some plan, is there, is there space to slow down and meditate? Um, or maybe you're in a season where, like a stanza of Psalm 119 for that day, that is enough. That's good. Meditate on it. Don't feel guilty that you're not reading all of Genesis that day. Just read God's Word. Get yourselves in the crosshairs. Number three, and this is sort of what it all leads to, treasure the Word. Treasure the Word or delight in the Word. We saw this in verse 14. I, I will delight in your testimonies as much as in all Riches. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's really the crux of it, isn't, isn't it, right? Uh, someone, could come, someone could be reading the Bible more than you do and yet not loving Christ and his word. Someone can read these words and they could fall flat on their heart. And so the point isn't... Um, the end of this is that you would cherish the Word, and, and, and the Bible speaks of Jesus as the Word of God, uh, to whom all of the Word is pointing to, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the prophecies, all of it point to Christ who, who came in the flesh. And so, friend, the call here is to love the Word of God, to love His Word. Uh, this is really a call to love Christ Himself, who was the living Word of God, the bread of life, 
Uh, just as he said, we are not to live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he says he is the living bread. Uh, he gives that which is truly life. Because at the cross, he takes care of our sin, which deserves death. He dies in the place of sinners. Uh, because he lived as the only one who actually fulfills Psalm 119, his way was kept pure. He longed for God's word at all times. He never sinned against the Lord. He was the perfect Lamb of God who went and died the death that sinners deserve. Have you trusted in Christ, uh, this true Psalm 119 man, this true Psalm 1 man who lived perfectly, who died in your place? If he is your Savior, then more and more, the Spirit is going to give you a delight, a hunger for his word. There'll be dry spells. There'll be times when you're reading the words and, quote, nothing's happening. But over time, he is going to give you a desire if you would but put your trust in him. And so, Christian, you are called then to treasure the word. As you put yourself in its crosshairs, pray like the psalmist and, and, and take a step back. Sometimes maybe you look at the psalmist and say, man, I, I wish I hungered after the word like <coughs> excuse me, like the psalmist hungers after your word. And it's a wonderful prayer to pray, Lord, I desire to desire that. I want to want what the psalmist wants. I, I would love that I would sit down and just what would spill out of me is a desire for your word. I can't make that happen. I can put myself in front of the word and I pray that the spirit would give me a hunger for it. But as we come to a close, just thinking of three practical things when you think, okay, I want to store up the Word. I want to let the Word do its work. What does that look like in uh, this year? Number one, have a plan, right? Benjamin Franklin reminds us, the great prophet uh, Franklin, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Um, you know, there's so many reading plans, and I'm not prescribing one or another, there's many Bible-in-a-year type reading plans. And again, you're probably on a spectrum of thinking like, oh, I read a lot more than that every year to, uh, well, here I am. I'm, I am your pastor, and I am on year three of my Bible-in-a-year plan. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that helps you. Um, and so whether, you're, whether you function well having those dates and deadlines and that, that really spurs you on and gets you going, um, or whether, like me, you took the dates off and, 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 and trust that just these days I'm going to be in the Word and it's going to take as long as it takes in this season. There's, there's different seasons. There's a, a time for everything under the sun. You, there's a time to slow burn through the Psalms and just slowly meditate your way through, or the book of Romans, or there is a time to read big chunks of Scripture, you know, start in Genesis and read through, or there's chronological reading plans. There's so many... We have a wealth of resources. The point isn't so much which plan, but do you have a plan that the word is getting in front of your eyes, going down into your heart this year? Number two, get creative. And that's where we think about the different seasons of our life. Um, I think I've mentioned it before. Um, I think David Paul sent me the article of, uh, of a young mom who was striving to be in the word and and, and just trying to figure out the best practice. And she was already waking up early, and she read this book that started by saying, okay, dear mom, you know, if you want to be in the Word, you need to wake up at 4 in the morning. 
and you need to spend an hour in the Word. And it says she threw the book across the room, <laughs> thinking, wait a minute, this can't be the answer. Um, certainly, God knows that we're in different seasons at different times. Uh, sometimes we can utilize listening. We have so many resources to listen to God's Word. And if you feel guilty, like, that doesn't count. For most of Christian history, and for many Christians even still today, listening is actually the mode of which they hear God's Word. You, what we're doing right now, having this in front of us, only the kings of Israel had access to the printed word in such a way, and the prophets and, and a few others, don't want to overstate the case, but the average person in the pew, as it were, has heard God's word. It's, it, it's a wonderful way to receive it. And so get creative about how can the word be in my ears, on my lips, in, in my eyes, and then lastly, think in terms of church and home. And these aren't contradictory. Right now, you're hearing the word preached. And we believe this even has a primary place as God's people are gathered. We hear the word preached in a definitive way, in a thus says the Lord kind of way. And then that flows back into your homes as individuals, as families, as opening the word. I think of both being essential in the Christian life, that you'd hear the word preached, that other times you'd be discussing it and asking questions and uh, being in Bible studies, etc. Or if you do have uh, a young family thinking of starting very simply, if you haven't started yet, family worship practices, which might look like, at first, like two minutes <laughs> at some point, opening the word, reading it, praying together. And you might think, what are my kids getting out of that in this sort of chaotic two minutes? Um, in one sense, your kids might never remember that time that you read Genesis 18, but they will remember that after dinner or whenever the word was opened, was read, that you prayed together. And pretty soon, your kids will actually start making you do it, which is great. Just the other, or just last night, um, you know, I was feeling pretty tired, but Rowan and the kids were like, get the Bible. <laughs> like, get the hymnal out. Come on, Dad. Uh, because God's built us for routines and, and, and traditions. So be thinking about how to get the word in front of your family. But either way, when, when the sun comes out, right, even after like a, a nice uh, icy mornings like we've had, when the sun sort of starts to creep out, uh, windows which were encased in ice begin to crack and thaw, and, and the ground which was frosted over begins to clear, making the path straight for you again. Uh, this warmth invites you to come out and walk and explore. Christian, let the Word do its work this year. Get yourself in front of it, and it will do its work by the Spirit, I promise you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word. That it is, it is a living word. It's living and active because it's spoken by you, Lord. It's your word. It has your authority, your power. And so I pray that your word would have its way in this church, uh, in our individual lives and families. Would you shape us by your word? By this time next year, may we be different because uh, we have been storing up your word in our hearts uh, that we might please you with our whole lives. I pray this in Jesus' name.